Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. All right, are y'all ready for the Bible today? All right, today this message is entitled Covenant. Would you say the word covenant? Covenant. You sound sound and feel smart already this morning, right? Covenant. I always have to wonder, like, how do you spell covenant? Spelling has not been my thing in life. Maybe it'll change someday. Um, I'm going to open up with Jeremiah 31, verse 31, and it says this. This is an Old Testament scripture. It says, the days are coming declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. Days are coming when I will make a new covenant. Let's take a moment and let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come and worship you. So thankful for the gifts and the people, God, who come in here early on Sunday and prepare and on Thursday nights prepare, God, a place for us to come together for corporate worship. We don't take it for granted. We thank you for the freedom to do it. We thank you for the opportunity to do it. And Lord, you are the audience. We worship and sing to you. And we just thank you for our team that helps make that environment possible. Now, God, we open up our heart to your word. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, would you impart your words to us? God, we thank you for the authority of it. And I pray, Father, for the empowerment and the leading and the heart of your Holy Spirit, God, to impart your word. We thank you for the richness of it. Now, would you just let your word blossom before us and produce fruit in our lives? It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let me tell you just a little bit about what the word covenant means. And today's message is going to be, I don't know, I think I got Bible college on my mind or something, I don't know, and in my spirit. It's going to be a little bit of Bible college, but I promise you're going to get a little preach in there because there's a, there's a point that the Lord's put in my heart as far as why we're going to talk about covenant. And I'm going to take you through some different places in the Word today and show you some different covenants as we go through. I'm going to do it briefly because um, I don't have you here until tomorrow. I just have you here for a little while, uh, even online. And uh, we have another service coming, so you know that I can only go so long. Most of you know I'm not that long of a preacher anyhow. Covenant, simply put, is Bible speak for an agreement or a contract. And that agreement, that contract, is between God and man. And we're going to dig into what covenant means a little bit more as we go through a few covenants. I can't cover all the covenants that are in the Word, but I'm going to cover some major ones um, and kind of pull out, if you will, the point for each one and lead us to that new covenant at the end. Does that sound like a plan this morning? All right, so first let's talk about the Adamic covenant, which is the covenant that God made with Adam and Eve. Again, that's called the Adamic covenant. Genesis 3.15 says this, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, or for when you eat from it, you will surely die. How many of y'all wish you had that like time machine thing and to just go back and change that decision, right? And when we think about it, it's like, 
you can eat of any tree of the garden but one. How many of y'all have been honest with yourself and said, if it was you, you probably would have ate the tree too? Any honest people out there as well? Uh-oh, we're getting super religious now. No, Pastor Mike, I, I know, I know. Uh, simply put, you know, this is a, a very elegant covenant. It's probably one of my favorites because it, um, it, it expresses the heart of God in such a strong way. Jeremy, will you turn me down a little bit? Thank you. Um, it's elegant. God provided a place in the Garden of Eden, right? God provided provision, made provision, if you will. Everything in the Garden was available to them, right? Except one. And God provided himself. Y'all, the best part of the Garden of Eden was the Lord. It says that he walked in the garden in the cool of the day. Doesn't that sound amazing? I want to tell you something. We have something to look forward to. You already know the Lord. You know his presence. You know his goodness. You know what it is to be by the Lord. But can you, can you imagine how good it's going to be when we go, oh, oh there he is. You know what I mean? Like, whew, that's going to be some good stuff in heaven. It just gets better. He made the best provision, which was himself, and he made just one requirement, right? Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he set a consequence for it, because if you eat it, you will surely die. And my summary of this, of this covenant, if you will, is God is saying, I've got you. I got you. And you've got me. I just need you to trust me. That's really what God's saying. I got you. You got me. I just need you to trust me. You don't want the knowledge of good and evil. You don't want the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Just trust me. Did y'all catch that? It's so elegant. It's so elegant. Because remember, like, when Adam and Eve, they, they take of the fruit, like, the first thing that they go is, they're naked and ashamed, right? It's like this knowledge came on them. Some of y'all didn't realize how biblical your kids are running around the house, did you? Unfortunately, you know, Adam and Eve chose not to trust the Lord and to break the only recorded stipulation of the covenant. And they got what they asked for, right? The knowledge of the tree of good and evil. But, you know, we don't lose hope. And the reason we don't lose hope is the word, Scripture, is it's a love story. It's a, it's a redemption story. It's a story of God's love for his creation. And at the, from the moment that they break the covenant, God begins to initiate a, a love plan of redeeming mankind. So, so he hasn't lost control, if you will. He's got a plan to, to lead people back to him. I want to jump forward now to another covenant. I told you we were going to graze these covenants, right? But we're going to pull out kind of the point, if you will. The next one is called the, I'm going to share with you, is called the Abrahamic covenant. Skipping over the Noahic covenant. I know some of y'all Bible nerds are like, oh, 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 we're going to skip lots of stuff today. All right? The Abrahamic covenant, I want to take you to Genesis 12, verse 1. I'll give you a guess. Who do you think the Abrahamic covenant was made with? You guys are smart. 
right? It, yeah, Abraham, that's right. Genesis 12, 1 says this, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country and your people and your father's house to a land I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. In this, God initiates, if you will, he's the one who moves first. He comes to Abraham, and he appro- he's approaching Abraham. Why? Because he loves you, and he wants you. His desire is for you. And so he's coming to Abraham, and he's like, we know like he's got so much more plan than just coming to Abraham and making a, a, a covenant. Like There's a whole lot going on, right, inside of God's mind and heart. But he comes to Abraham because he wants you and me. The purpose of this covenant is found in this phrase, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. If you look into um, chapter 22, verse 18, it goes a little deeper and says, it, it, this is the New American Standard Version, it says, in, in your seed, all nations of the earth shall be blessed. And when you jump into Galatians in the New, New Testament, it talks very clearly that that seed, that singular idea of seed, is talk, talking about how Jesus would come and he would be the one to bless all nations. Abraham, Israel, the nation of Israel would be a blessing to all nations. But the, if you will, like, like the secret weapon in there, the, the, the thing that was going to change everything was the fact that God had a plan to bring Jesus through the line of Abraham to bless all, nation, all nations. This covenant um, that God makes with Abraham absolutely defines his life journey. From that point on, his life is defined by this call to leave his nation, his call to follow after the Lord, and his call to have a trust and a faith that God was going to bless all nations through him. And Abraham had to go so many years without seeing a lot of fruit in that. He's like waiting like to have children. We did the Abraham uh, uh, series just a few weeks ago. They waited and waited. They had an Ishmael. And they're like, no, no, that's not the promise. The promise is coming through Sarah. And there's so much in there. You can go back and listen to the, the series on that. Um, but Abraham's response to the covenant. Remember, the covenant is God's agreement between God and man, right? His response to his covenant can boil, be boiled down to two things. Faith. And obedience. Would you say the word faith? faith? Would you say the word obedience? Y'all, we can boil down so much in our walk with the Lord to that, those two simple phrases, faith and obedience. Faith, we know, is to our ability to trust God, our ability to believe God. It's a relational word. It's not just a head word. It's a relational Like I trust you. I believe you at your word. Obedience is when we do our part, when we do what he has asked, when we obey the Lord, which is way easier to say than it is to do. Can I hear an amen? I want to note, though, that like in a God covenant, things are a little different in that kind of contract. You know, when we make contracts and things like that, we, between us, maybe we're selling a house or, you know, maybe we're buying something. There's negotiation that can go, and we can go, no, no, I want this line and this contract changed, and I want this line. In a God covenant, it's a little different 
There's no negotiation. When God makes a covenant, he writes both sides. And he says, here's how it's going to work. It's my way. Remember this phrase when you were growing up? It's my way or the highway. You're like, oh, our parents have just visited us, right? Yeah, it's my way or the highway. When God writes a contract, he writes both sides, and he's God, and he can do that. And let's be honest, we want him writing the contract, not us. Because the thing is, he's really good at this. He's really good at being God. When he creates these covenants and these contracts, if you will, between us and him, he loves us, and that's his predisposition, is he's drawing us back to himself. Now, I want to fast forward. I told you we were going to be doing a survey today, right? I want to fast forward past the Abrahamic covenant, and we did, we did a series on Abraham. Abraham had uh, his sons, uh, Isaac, and Isaac had his sons, Jacob and Esau. We even had in the series, it should have been Abraham, Isaac, Esau, we had a message, but it's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, right? Jacob, we talked, I think it was last week, we talked about how he had his sons, right? And one of his sons was Joseph, and Joseph would be used to save the, uh, his people from uh, famine, and they'd be brought into Egypt. Well, when you fast forward, you hit play, and it fast forwards through the story, what ends up happening is the, the children of Israel, the, the 12 tribes, if you will, they grow up in Egypt, and they, the, the script changes, and they become slaves in Egypt, and within a few hundred years, they're crying out to God for their freedom. That's where the nation was born. Do you follow me? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, 12 sons. The sons go into Egypt to keep them from famine. They grow up, but then it flips, and they become slaves in Egypt. We're like fast-forwarding through the Bible. You're like, whoa, that was quick. They cry out to God for help, and God sends them a deliverer. His name is Moses. I like to call him Mo. Mo goes in. To the land says, yo, Pharaoh, let God's people go. <laughs> just playing with you. Totally just playing. Did I tell you I'm writing my own version? It's the Goochland, hardcore, so dorky. Thank you. And Mike is like shaking his head like, please stop. I can't unsee this. I'm just having a little fun. Just having a little fun. Mike's like, no, 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 this, is, this isn't working. Get back to the word, Mike. Get back to the word. So Moses goes in and he says, let my people go. The people come out and God has now three million people who need some boundaries. They need a way forward. Enter the covenant of the law. And the covenant of the law had so much in it um, because it covers moral law, it covers civil law, it even covers their faith and religious practices. And if you want to read about it, there's a lot in Scripture. You can read through Leviticus, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And basically, you know, a nation is built in this season in the covenant of the law. And in this covenant, and I, I want to say, in the faith, the covenant of the law, like among Christians, gets a bad rap. What I mean by that is people get scared when they think about the covenant of the law. And I'm going to come back to why they're scared. But it gets a bad rap. The law is good. Because you see, the law reveals God's amazing nature. That he doesn't want us to hurt each other. That he wants us to honor him. And it reveals 
because the law is so good, it reveals the sin in us, and that's what we don't like. We're like, ha, I can't measure up. That's actually the point. But you see, if you misunderstand the heart of God, and you go, these laws, it's just too much, and I can't do it. If you misunderstand the law, if you misunderstand God's heart, you'll look at it and you'll go, I can't measure up, I'm demoralized, why are you doing this to me? He's not trying to demoralize you. He is trying to show you that you can't do it on your own. It reveals, you see, the law reveals a problem. I'm going to give you something that wasn't in my notes because I'm feeling theological today. When you go back, reverse a little bit to Noah's days. It says in Noah's days that all man's thoughts were evil all the time. It's a picture in the word of if you just let things go, that's where we end up. Y'all follow me? All a man's thoughts are evil all the time, right? So it kind of shows this ain't working. Noah, Noahic covenant, which we haven't really covered, okay? Fast forward, now we're in Abraham. Now God's saying, okay, now what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you everything you need to be righteous. Y'all follow me? And the people look at it and they're like, I can't do it. And God's like, it's all right. I got you. It's all right that you can't do it. I need you to see that you're incapable of doing this. I need you to see that you're powerless. And you know what he does? He evaluates the people by their faith and obedience from the standpoint of their leaning. Are you, do you love God? Do you want to serve him? Are you trying? He's not evaluating them by the, the nitpick, if you will. If you believed in him and if you had trust in him and you had faith in him, he's going to send someone to take care of the issues you have. And his name is Jesus. God is so smart. He's really good at this. He's really good at saving people. He's really good at leading people back to himself. You may ask, like, so does like God expect perfection? Like, why all these rules? Why so much? And why is it that we we cannot do the law in ourselves? Like, why is it like it feels like he's expecting too much? Why don't you lower the bar? And I was trying to think of like, how do I how do I give this to us? Because it can feel like God, you're being nitpicky. But see, the thing is, God's holy. He's pure and he's good. And he needs us. Remember I said the law reveals his nature? He's that good. And us saying, God, would you just change the standard? It's kind of like going to your spouse and going, can I cheat on you a little bit? Like we would be like, heck no. Right? Like like it's like that kind of thing. Like it doesn't work. So we have a problem. We're broken and sinful and can't do it on our own. He's good and perfect and loves us and wants us to draw himself to us. We need some way to connect us. We need some way to take care of this issue of the fact that we can't be good enough, yet he loves us and he wants us. I'm going to give you one guess at a name of who might solve this for us. What's his name? Y'all are so smart. His name is Jesus. And what's wonderful is God never never stops pursuing us. He knows that we're incapable of achieving this on our own. He's not trying to demoralize us. He's trying to, do, to reveal our need, our need for his grace. We're going to dig into that in a little bit more in a moment. But I want to read you this really cool 
Scripture in Jeremiah 31. This is in the Old Testament. This is before Jesus puts his feet on the planet. This is um, Jeremiah 31, verse 31. And you're going to hear the heart of God now. And when you hear the Scripture, what we just talked about about covenants, you're going to be like, right! All right, I hope you're as excited as I am. I'm really excited about this Scripture. Jeremiah 31, 31 says this. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and I led them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant though I was a husband to them. Isn't that powerful? Declares the Lord. This covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Y'all, that last part is like so beautiful. It's a, it's a covenant where he has written who he is on our hearts and written it on our minds. He's trying to break us away from a thought of just the legalism of trying to like uh, do something on, in the external. And he's saying, I'm going to put it in you. Like the, 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 the right, the wrong, like it's just going to be in you and part of you. But then you hear like the heart of God, which is so relational with us. I will be their God and they will be my people. And let me tell you, that's a very possessive, my people. He's not like, a little bit of you or part of you. He's like, my people. Like there's passion behind that, my people. This, this new covenant is possible because of Jesus. And Jesus is, if you will, the, he's the fulfillment of the covenant of the law. He was perfect. He was able to fulfill all the stipulations of the law of Moses. And he was able to become the sacrifice that's in the law of Moses to even end the system that, was even, that, that pointed to the need for sacrifice. He became that sacrifice and died for all of our sins once and for all. Who died for our sins? I'm giving you easy questions today. Jesus, he died for our sins once and for all. Now, y'all ready to jump into just a little deeper theology? Because this is what, in my mind, brings it together in such an exciting ways. Will you look in your scripture to Romans 3, verse 21? And I got, I got to tell you, so, like, God's so smart and he's really patient. And I know it really frustrates us how patient he is. Right? He's way more patient than we are. But you see, through each of these covenants, he's been revealing himself to us and his nature to us, all with the same plan. I want you back. Isn't it wonderful to be wanted? He's always wanted us back. Romans 3 verse 21 says this. It's going to mean so much to you with what we've talked about. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. Here's the thing. like People will, and you might have done this in your own life, where like, 
you try so hard to be good. You ever done that? And you're just like, God, I, I, it's, I'm, it's hard. I don't, what's wrong with me? He's like, well, you're broken. You try so hard. And he's like, now a righteousness apart from the law has been, been made known, which the law and the prophets testify. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew or Gentile. That means all of y'all. Uh, all. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. I've done entire sermons just on like this little passage right here. So righteousness is right standing and right action before God, right? And what he's saying is, by the law and by trying to be good on your own, you couldn't do it. No matter, sometimes, you know, okay, I can be good here, I can be there, but we fail, fall far short of God's goodness and holiness and perfection, right? We all fall short of that. And what he's saying is there's a righteousness that's given. Now, we have to change the way that we think. Because you've always thought of righteousness only by your own deeds. Are you righteous? Well, what are you doing, right? This is saying that righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ. So what it means is that we put our trust in him and he puts his righteousness on us. You know what's beautiful about Jesus' righteousness? It's perfect. And then it goes further and it says that you are justified. Justified is like this legal term, meaning that you are in right standing before the judge, that kind of thing. Justified, the root word for that is actually the exact same word as the word righteous. Righteous is the noun and justify is the verb. So if you will, justify is to make righteous or to be righteous, right? And the idea here is that we are all justified. We are all made righteous. It says, freely by his grace. It's a gift. Y'all, this is like the clincher of all the covenant stuff. He makes a covenant with Adam and Eve. One rule, can't keep it, right? We, through the days of Noah, all of our thoughts are evil all of the time. We, through the, the, the covenant of the law, realize now when he completely displays all of everything that's good and righteous and gives us, all right, go ahead, try. We can't do it, right? And we realize, I can't do it on my own. He says, it's okay. The same faith in, that you had in me, now you just put your faith in Jesus. And what's going to happen is Jesus is going to put his righteousness on you, but he's going to give it to you as a gift. You can't earn it. He's going to put his righteousness over your life. Will you give me um, a tissue? And you might as well just join me while you're coming. He's going to put your, his righteousness. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, come on up. Um, he's, going to, he's going to put his righteousness on you. This is what happens when you receive Jesus in your life. He puts his perfection over your life. And it's a gift. 
I can't tell you how important it is that we understand the word grace means gift, unmerited favor. There's nothing you can do to buy this. There's nothing you can do to earn this. The covenant of the law shows us there's nothing you can do to get to this. But Jesus is there. And when we put our faith in him, he puts his goodness on us. Isn't that so humbling? And here's what he does. The rest of your life in your walk with Jesus, he's now saved you and put his righteousness on you. The rest of your life, he works on getting it in you and putting it in you. Because being covered by his goodness and his righteousness, there's this fancy Bible word, sanctification, where he changes the way you think about things and changes the way. He writes the law on your heart and on your mind. And, and out of the humility of, I can't believe you saved me like this. And you, you called me good even though I'm not good. And you put your righteousness on me. Like, like how good are you? And I, it's hard for me to not make that the point, but I, I need to get back to like what I really believe God wants us to hear in all of this today. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a good sidetrack, you know, sidetracking on grace and receiving uh, his righteousness is a good sidetrack. But he wants all of you. He redeems all of you. With Adam and Eve, he wanted all of them. When God covenants with his people, it isn't so that he can get us for a couple hours on Sunday and a little devotion in the morning and maybe a Bible study. Like, he's not covenanting for a slice of your time. He wants you. And he wants every part of your life. But if you misunderstand the word and if you misunderstand God's heart and his nature, you can take that as, oh man, you know, I don't know. Like, no, 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 no. He's worthy of all of you. And can't you see his love for you in the story? If there's anyone that you can trust with all of you, it's him. And here's my encouragement to you. I, you know, so many people who are going to hear this message today, you already do believe. And we have so much to be thankful for. And I want to re remind you to remember where your righteousness comes. Self-righteousness is when we think we did anything to get this other than just trust Jesus. Do you follow me? And that stinks. You don't want it. But the thing I want to encourage you, if you already believe, is that he's coming for all of you. He didn't redeem part of you. Every part of your life, he wants. And I want to encourage you to be excited about that. If there's something you're like, no, I want to hold on to this part, or I want to hold on to this unhealthy relationship, or this bad habit, or this thing in my life, I just want to say, how's that working for you? Sorry to quote Dr. Phil. I know that's really inappropriate. <laughs> but like, really, how's it working for you? Right? He's coming for all of you because he loves all of you. He's coming for all of you because it's like it says he's a good husband, right? It's like he wants all of you. And he's a faithful husband who's coming for all of you. And so my challenge to you today is this. Would you allow him into every nook and every cranny and every point, part of your life. Because our God is a covenant God 
who contracts with us. But here's the thing. The elegance of that Adamic covenant that gives us a, a beautiful picture of the nature of God is this. He, we, we have him. He doesn't just have us. He's available to you. He wants all of you. And he's already given all of himself to you. He's worthy of our praise, isn't he? He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our lives. He's worthy to be followed. He's worthy of everything that we have. That's why those disciples were willing to leave it all. It's because he's worthy of all of it. And our covenant-making God is coming after all of you. He's not just trying to get you over the line into heaven. He's coming after all of you, and he loves all of you. It's not so he can control you. It's because he is the best steward and the best ruler of your life. Would you stand with me today? I want to tell you today that if you're, if you're in, here, in here or you're, you're watching online today and you have never had that moment where you, may, you entered into this covenant with God and said, God, save my life. I want to tell you today, you can cry out to him and say, forgive me of my sins. And he is going to come into your life. He's going to bring his Holy Spirit in your life. He's going to forgive your sin. He's going to remove your shame. He is going to empower you to even be able to serve him and start a journey. But I want you to know today, he has come for all of you because he loves all of you. And here's my encouragement to us as believers today. Let's be inspired by the fact that we've got a covenant-making God who wants all of us. And if there's an area in your life where you're like, mm, I'm holding on to that, and I need to just release it and bring it back, give it to the Lord and let him have all of me because he's worthy of all of it, give it to him today. Give it to him today. Trust him today. He's worthy of the trust. But know that he loves you. He has been on a redemption mission of love the whole time. Father, we come before you today and we say, God, thank you for your love. And God, we just, um, we just put your hands up to the Lord today. God, we just, we just make ourselves available to you. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. God, for those today who are afraid, let the fear fall away. For those who, Father, are hiding behind shame, let shame be covered by the blood of Jesus. For those who have leaned into themselves and their own ability and feel like they can't do it, God, let them accept the fact that they can't, but you can't. That we need you in our lives. We can't do it without you, and you're not calling us to do it without you. And God, for those of us who need to, to remember, God, that it's grace that got us here, and it's grace that's going to carry us. The free, unmerited favor of receiving what we cannot earn on our own. God, we are humbled and thank you for grace. And today we just say you're worthy of it all. Worthy of it all. From you are all things. To you are all things. You're worthy of it all. God, may we be a people who 
who are willing, God, to in our covenant with you, just say you're worthy of every part of our lives. Come, Lord, come. We relinquish the authority. We relinquish the places where we are in control. And we say we trust you and we love you today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church. Have a great day.